Hi, welcome to this Subway ad for the new Chibata collection. How do you want it? Ooh, I'll take the slam poetry. Sure. <clears throat> Italian Chibata with fresh mozzarella. When hunger reigns, you're my flavor umbrella. Tasty garlic steak and provolone. With you, my taste buds are never alone. Savory chicken pesto, you have my affection. For you complete the Chibata collection. Thank you. Get them before they're gone at Subway. Limited time only at participating restaurants. Activate, sucker! This is Movie Fighters, the show where I, Matt Wilson, and Chris Sims, Hello. We, we watch movies and beat them up. This week, we're going to be watching Inframan, also known as The Super Inframan, which is a haunt. Hi, welcome to this Subway ad for the new Chibata collection. How do you want it? Ooh, I'll take the slam poetry. Sure. Italian ciabatta with fresh mozzarella. When hunger reigns, you're my flavor umbrella. Tasty garlic steak and provolone. With you, my taste buds are never alone. Savory chicken pesto, you have my affection. For you complete the ciabatta collection. Thank you. Get them before they're gone at Subway. Limited time only at participating restaurants. Hong Kong attempt to make a tokusatsu movie. And Chris... You are a noted fan of Takusatsu. Uh, uh, yes, so, I am. I'm a big, uh, I'm a big Kamen Rider fan. I am also a big uh, Power Rangers fan. What familiarity do you have, if any, with Inframan? Zero. <laughs> I'm not familiar with Inframan at all. I do think it's interesting, uh, just from sort of looking it up on Wikipedia after we were mandated to watch this film. This is this is not a film of our choosing. We should say. I think it's interesting. This was uh, made by the Shaw Brothers, who, if you know anything about movie fighters, you know that we are big Shaw Brothers fans. I mean, we have that uh, that Shaw Brothers-inspired logo that uh, Jay Gonzo designed for us. Correct. Uh, and, you know, Matt and I are both big Kung Fu movie fans. I'm a big uh, Jackie Chan guy who got a start at Shaw Brothers. After Kamen Rider and Ultraman were a big success in when they were aired in Hong Kong in the 70s, apparently, starting with uh, Kamen Rider 71, they decided to make a tokusatsu movie that uses the Superman logo on the poster, which strikes me as really weird, because this would have been three years before Superman the movie came out. And yet the logo is almost identity, identical to the Superman the movie logo. Yeah, I can see like uh, like American movies like kind of jumping on it, but that it was you know three years before it came out, and and this is a Hong Kong movie seems really weird to me. I know nothing about this movie. I'm actually very excited to watch it though. This the poster we're looking at could very well be for the American release. Or well, that's what I thought, but it's it's in Chinese. Yes, but it was not called the Super Inframan. In China. It was called Just Inframan. Okay. Uh, it's only in America that it was 
nope, I have it backwards. It was Super Inframan in China. It was just Inframan in the U.S. So I have it wrong. This must be like an original Chinese poster, which makes it very strange. Yeah, it's already weird. We have not seen a frame of this movie. The literal translation is Chinese Superman. That is that is the thrust of this movie. How did how did Super Inframan not show up in the Great Ten? Grim Morrison is asleep at the wheel. Here's some things that might be of interest about this movie. It stars not Bruce Lee, the the real Bruce Lee, but Bruce Ellie, Bruce Lee, Bruce Lee. Well, there were there, there were uh, there was a Bruce Lee with an I. There was a Bruce Lee L E I. There was a Bruce Lee with one E. Uh, the one that we have here is Bruce Lee with one E. With one E, uh, of many Bruce exploitation films uh, appearing I think in this movie. I can go ahead and say my favorite genre. Yes, uh, he was he was a star in Bruce's Deadly Fingers, The Return of Bruce, The Clones of Bruce Lee. Bruce and Shaolin Kung Fu, My Name Called Bruce, Bruce Lee's Greatest Revenge, uh, Bruce and Shaolin Kung Fu 2, Re-Enter the Dragon, Bruce the Superhero, Treasure of Bruce Lee, Bruce King of Kung Fu. All those movies were made between 1976 and 1980. The character that Bruce Lee plays is Liu Xiaolong, the sergeant of science headquarters, and a tough fighter. I am so excited about this. Now, Inframan, whose name is Le Ma, is played by Danny Lee. He was in the movies Bruce Lee and I, The Brave Archer and The Brave Archer 2, City on Fire, Final Justice. I wonder if that's that Final Justice. Surely it's not. No, no it's a, a Hong Kong film. It's a Final Hong Justice. Kong movie called Final Justice. Uh, he's in quite a few Hong Kong films. He is the star of the Super Inframan. He was in 138 movies. <laughs> Danny Lee. Here's what has gotten me most excited about this movie. Roger Ebert originally gave this movie two and a half stars. Uh, and said, when they stop making movies like Inframan, a little light will go out of the world. Uh, in 1999... Roger Ebert went back and upgraded that review to a full three stars out of four uh, and said, uh, I bet a month hasn't gone by since I haven't since that I haven't thought of that film. <laughs> that's exciting. Here's, here's something that's really interesting. Here are the three antagonists of Inframan. Okay. Demon Princess Elzebub. Right, right. Which is derived from Beelzebub. Witch Eye and the Skeleton Ghosts. Okay. There are also six ice monsters. Fire Dragon, Spider Monster, Plat Plant Monster, Mutant Drill, the Long Haired Monster, and the Iron Armor Monsters. Matt, is this actually a movie or are we just gonna watch like somebody play Mega Man? That's what it sounds like. <laughs> In this. Like are we just gonna watch like some weird uh, like TurboGrafx sixteen Zelda knockoff? I would be so happy to watch that. Oh, apparently, uh, uh, Elzebub in the dubbed version was called Princess Dragon Mom, which was also changed to Wicked Dragon Mom. So I, I, 
I have no idea what we're getting into. I bet a month won't go by that we won't think of this movie, Matt. Quite possible. Uh, now, I should let everybody know that the version of Super Inframan that we're watching is a streaming version that is available right now on Daily Motion. So I don't know how it differs from other versions of this movie. But that is the one we are watching. Well, there are apparently several versions as well. There's uh, obviously the original Chinese version. Uh, there was a version that was brought to America in uh, 1976 that was just called Inframan that, oddly enough, was released after an advertising campaign that tried to capitalize on the success of the $6 million man called Correct. The Man Beyond Bionics. That's right. So this is a this is a Chinese film trying to capitalize on the success of Ultraman and Kamen Rider that was released in America trying to capitalize on the success of the $6 million man and also Superman? Presumably Ultraman. I mean, Ultraman was starting to catch on in the U.S. I, I around guess. this time also. Uh, there was also a, uh, a version released later uh, from a company called Good Times Entertainment, Good Times Home Video, uh, that came out, I assume, in the 80s on VHS. Uh, so yeah, there's a lot of, I don't know which one Roger Ebert saw, but I bet, uh, I bet they're all probably of the same quality. Yeah. And we will let you know which one we watch after we watch it. If you would like to watch along with us, you can go to daily motion right now, search for super Inframan and find the movie. That extremely reputable website. That's right. That's the one we're watching right now. Cause it's not available to stream anywhere else. And it's pretty hard to get on DVD. So this is this is what we had to resort to. I am so excited. Like, I've been actually watching the 1971 Kamen Rider series uh, since I, I got into Kamen Rider a couple of years ago. Um, I've been reading the uh, Ishinomori comics, and I wanted to go back and, and watch the original show. And it's bananas. Like, it is weird. So I can only imagine how much weirder the Shaw Brothers knockoff of that series is going to be. Yeah, the Hong Kong copy of those crazy Japanese tokusatsu shows. I'm excited. We, we may come back from the break and once again hate it, as we have often done. This Let's is... I'm going to go ahead and say it now, because these are always nice to say, before we watch the movie and before you come back in about 30 seconds... This is the most excited I have ever been to watch a Movie Fighters movie. Like, just based on the description. This is the most I have looked forward to it. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. We're going to pause this. We're going to watch Super Inframan. We're going to come back and talk about it. Alright, we are back from watching Supra Inframan. Oh my god, dude. That okay, that may be the first time we have ever talked about how excited we were to watch something. And it was as good as what we expected. Yeah, this is I, I think this is the first time that a movie has exactly met our expectations. <laughs> it is exactly what we wanted from this movie. I think if there was anything that we got that we were not expecting, 
It was the level of violence against monsters. It is bananas. <laughs> but like, the thing about this movie is, and and I'm going to tell you right now, I think Matt and I would both recommend that you go watch this movie. <laughs> you yeah. should see this. But the thing about it is, it is kind of exactly what you want from a a combination of Japanese tokusatsu stuff and Shaw Brothers Kung Fu movies. It is exactly that movie. Not to get too far ahead of ourselves, but I would say the last, what, 20 minutes of this movie? 20, at, at least 15, probably 20 minutes, is just in for men beating the living shit out of monsters. Yeah. It It is one very long fight sequence, more or less. Yeah, it's and it's amazing. Uh, it is amazing. Well, before we get into the plot of the movie, let's correct <laughs> one thing. Yes. Because we talked about the Superman logo on the poster and how it looked like the Superman logo from the 78 movie. You correctly identified it as the George Reeves TV show Superman logo. Yes, which is somehow even weirder to me. Uh, but it makes more sense that that would be a, a sort of extant uh, property at the time of this movie. Yeah. It, it's quite possible that George Reeves' Superman was just making its way over uh, to Hong Kong at that time. Yeah, and, it's such, and there's clearly a, an influence of that. Like the, re, the reason I realized that's what it was is because there is a shot during Inframan's transformation sequence, which is terrible. Uh, I, I would say that is, I mean... Again, we'll get to it, but it's it's really it's real real bad. Uh, but there is a part where they do the flying effect that is exactly like George Reeves Superman. Right, it's some smoke blowing past Inframan, a, a dude who is clearly laying on a coffee table as he sticks his arms out. Yeah, that is such a weird thing. Uh, I, I don't think we mentioned this at the top of the show, but this is the first Chinese superhero movie ever. Correct. Uh, which, I mean, that gives it a kind of interesting historical significance, but it's interesting to see that they are pulling kind of directly from the live-action Superman as well as Kamen Rider and Ultraman. I didn't notice a whole lot of, like, Batman 66 influence, which is kind of surprising. At the same time, like, man, th that is such a weird influence pool to pull from, along with, you know, just Shaw Brothers Kung Fu movies, which is essentially what this movie is structured as. It's such a weird... It's a chimera of a film. It, but in an amazing way. Like, the, the end result of it is phenomenal. It is such a strange combination of things, but yet it turns into something pretty good by the end of it. Um, so let's, let's just dig into what happens. Yes. The first thing that we get is we're introduced to Dr. Chang who in the Chinese movie version of the movie is actually called Professor Liu Ying Dei. He is the the owner and operator of science headquarters. <laughs> yeah, which does not appear to be a government institution because he seems completely in charge all by himself. Uh, but we are introduced to him because there is uh, there's a big earthquake, and among other. An earthquake among other disasters that are all happening at once. 
Yeah, we. Uh, I said when we were watching it that it's like the beginning of Flash Gordon, where there's just a bunch of weird natural disasters all going on. But we get a shot, like the first thing we see in this movie after this weird introductory credit sequence is that there's an earthquake and a road kind of shatters and and an avalanche happens that looks 100% real. Yeah, it looks like they destro- they destroyed a road somewhere for this movie. Or at least had footage of it. Yeah. Somehow somebody got footage of a road like splitting in two and falling apart, possibly during an earthquake. That happens, we see a town on fire, and one of, I don't remember which science headquarters officer, like, science headquarters has its own army, which is very strange. (laughs) They certainly uh, have their own uh, hierarchy of employees. Yes. And someone from science headquarters, I think it may actually be Inframan. What what is what is his name? In uh, in the in the English dub we watched, his name was Rhymer. Rhymer. Yeah. So weird. In the actual Chinese version, his name is Le Ma. Yeah, and this is uh, what we were watching would be the the nineteen seventy six dub. Yeah. Uh, That's judging, what we were just judging by the names that characters are given. Yes. Um, we were definitely not watching the Good Times Entertainment version, which has stuff added in and stuff taken out. Okay. There's a, a crazy intro- monster introduction sequence where the monsters get even different names. I think we talked to them about that at the beginning. Um, Princess Dragon Mom slash Demon Princess Elzebub is called Wicked Dragon Mom in that version. And her monster form is called the Giant Flying flying Lizard. Mutant Drill is called the Driller Beast. Plant Monster is called the Mutant Octopus. Long-Haired Monster is called the Laser Horn Monster. Fire Dragon is called Emperor of Doom. Iron Armor Monsters are called the Iron Fist Monsters. And Spider Monster is given the name the Giant Beetle Monster. And, And this is weird because I don't recall any of these monsters actually being introduced... In, like or called by name over the course of the movie we just watched. Outside of She Demon, yeah, She Demon uh, is 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 introduced. She Demon, who in the in Chinese is called Witch Eye, because uh, she has eyes on her palms. Yes, uh, um, that can shoot lasers out and hypnotize. Like there's a hypnosis thing that comes out of her palms. Uh, outside so, of them, I don't think any of the monsters are actually named in the movie. So the news, the the news media goes to Professor Chang, and uh, they, anyway, we I, get the I didn't first get to, amazing line. Hang on, I didn't get to point out what I was going to point out about oh, what Inframan does at the beginning of the movie. He saves a kid from a fire, and there is a part where he's running out of a burning building, and a burst of fire pops out in front of. Inframan and the kid. And that looks like real fire. Oh, yeah. Someone very clearly, like, you know, throws some fire at a man and a child in the filming of this scene. It's kind of amazing. And it's not even a a scene that's, like, completely necessary to the movie. Oh, it's completely unnecessary. Yeah. 
but we see we we find out that that you know Reimer is heroic. <laughs> That's about it. Uh, anyway, you were talking about you were saying that the news media is reporting on all these disasters. They go up to Professor Chang, and we get, uh, I would say, the first um, of several amazing lines of the film. Like, you repeated it laughing as soon as it was said. Uh, Which is, uh, a reporter asks, do you think this is a sign of the end of the world? And Professor Chang replies, I haven't determined yet. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Now, that might seem odd. But as we will soon learn, uh, Professor Chang's computers can tell him a lot of plot-relevant information that he has no reason to have. Yes. So, so Professor Chang goes back to science headquarters, and he's like, look, get me a computer printout about all of these disasters. I need to know what's going on. Like, we need to find out what's going on with these disasters. Pretty much as soon as he says that, Princess Dragon Mom a.k.a. Demon Princess Elzebub, comes up on the the screen, like the big view screen, because Science Headquarters is basically the Starship Enterprise. Yes. it's It even has the same sound effects. But it's got, like, blinking lights everywhere. It's got a big view screen. It Like, everybody in there is wearing kind of a weird uniform. They're wearing, like, silver jumpsuits. Yeah. With, like, blue accents. Except for Professor Chang, who's wearing normal clothes. But on top of it, there is a silver lab coat that has, like, epaulettes with his rank on them. Yeah. They they are amazing jackets. I would say best superhero jackets we have seen so far. They are I like them. Those are good costumes. She pops up on the view screen inside Science Headquarters. And says, yeah, I caused all these disasters, and I'm going to take over Earth. And that's just how it is, okay? Meanwhile, everybody in science headquarters, there's a huge earthquake, and they see a mountain falling away and revealing the evil headquarters of the evil monsters who are going to take over Earth. So everything escalates, like, really quickly. (laughs) Yeah, the first... This movie's... The biggest flaw of this movie, and the thing that makes it kind of hard to watch, uh, is that the pacing of this movie is super weird. Because the first... I would say, like, after that credit sequence, like, the first 10 to 15 minutes is just crammed full. Uh, And the last 20 minutes is just, like, one long fight scene that keeps getting weirder and weirder. Uh, But everything that's kind of in the middle goes back and forth between, like, moving as fast as it can in a way that does not explain anything, but then also, like, slowing down immeasurably. Well, what happens after Princess Dragon Mom reveals her plan? Oh, by the way, the first time they say her name, they kind of say it like, uh, like, I am Princess Dragon Mom. (laughs) <laughs> and so you're like you kind of think like okay, her name's not really Princess Dragon Mom, it's like Drago Mom, uh, or something. And then you get further into the movie, and people are just like, yeah, that's Princess Dragon Mom. Like, <laughs> there's no there's no bones about it. And then she turns into a dragon. Yes, I mean her real name is Demon Princess Elzebub. Yes. Don't get it twisted. But yeah. 
So as soon as Princess Dragon Mom reveals her plan to take over Earth, uh, or Dr. Chang says, get me a computer printout about Princess Dragon Mom. The next thing we see him doing <laughs> is sitting in a boardroom, like apparently, I guess, talking to like high-ranking government officials. Right, there's a couple of science headquarters guys there uh, in their jackets, and there's like, you know, a bunch of old... Like government types who are like, yeah, they're saying they're saying argle bargle argle bargle, rabble rabble rabble, and Professor Chang just lays it out for him. He says, "I don't know a lot about Princess Dragon Mom, but she's ten thousand years old. Ten million. <laughs> she's ten million years old. Okay, she's ten million years old. All these monsters that she has are from before the Ice Age." And they're ancient creatures that once ruled Earth, and now they want to rule Earth again. And they're also Th- mutants. Yeah. This all came from his computer printout. Like, what is the repository of knowledge <laughs> that has this information? <laughs> it's, it's like Princess Dragon Mom showed up on the TV, and she was like, Listen up, Professor Chang. I am Princess Dragon Mom. I'm going to take over the world. I'm going to destroy human life. Uh, I'll have someone send over a press packet for you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you need a high-res photo? <laughs> do, you, do you need that in TIFF? Do you need that in JPEG? <laughs> high-res JPEG or TIFF? Which one do you need? He lays all this out. He's like, but don't worry. I got it handled. I know how we're going to be able to defeat Princess Dragon Mom. So just let me deal with it. They go back to science headquarters. There's a little bit of, like, figuring out what's happening. And then he's like, hey, Reimer, come with me into this other room. I got something for you. So they go, he, Professor Chang and Reimer go into this, like, you know, Frankenstein-making room. Right. Where he explains to Reimer, I have this thing. It's a, a, pl- a plan to make somebody into uh, a Superman called Inframan, and I want you to be him. Are you cool with that? And Reimer goes, yeah, yeah, I want to do it. Absolutely, I want to do it. So Reimer gets into this, like, it looks like a jacuzzi suit. If you remember from the episode of The Simpsons where Milhouse becomes uh, a Fallout boy... And his mom has a jacuzzi suit. I think I know what you've been doing this weekend, Matt. <laughs> That's what what he has put in looks like. Professor Chang injects him with some colored liquid. And then pre- there proceeds to be, seriously, a 20-minute origin sequence that follows. It is, like, I talked about how we were watching him build uh, Inframan in real time. It takes forever. Like, I thought he was just going to inject him with the stuff, and he was going to become Inframan. Not at all. Yo, I thought we were going to get, like, a cut or something, and it'd be like, ooh, that was a tough six hours of cybernetic surgery or whatever. But no, it's like, we, we watch it, and it feels like it takes forever. And it um, just looks like Professor Chang is gluing junk, like plastic garbage from a board game Onto Reimer's skin. Yeah, that's what it looks like. 
and then all that stuff goes away and is replaced by like a drawing of cybernetics. And yeah. the weird thing about this scene is that there is like a blueprint of Inframan that is like on the wall behind it. This giant blueprint that looks a lot more like Common Rider than the actual <laughs> uh, Inframan that we end up getting. Yeah, uh, it is definitely Common Rider's head. Yeah, it it does not look like Inframan. It looks like so, Common Rider. So while all this is going on, there is a plant monster who attacks science headquarters. And the plant monster, uh, who is just named Plant Monster, uh, by the way, goes into the ground and forms a giant beanstalk that attacks science headquarters and kills a shitload of dudes. Yeah, the the plant monster attacked – like, plant monster is the most effective monster that Princess Dragon Mom has because – it's it does the most. It destroys a part of science headquarters. Yes. It interrupts the creation of Inframan to the point where it almost is scrubbed. If science headquarters did not have a switch that repaired everything, <laughs> uh Inframan would not have been created. It is very fortunate that they have one giant red lever that repairs everything. Yeah. This scene where Plant Monster attacks and kind of breaks up the uh, the roof and kind of goes in and attacks people, this is where you kind of start to remember this is a Shaw Brothers movie because the stunt work, like the fighting and the stunt work in this movie is actually really good. Uh, it, I mean, it feels like a – it is kind of as good as you want it to be from coming from a studio – that is famous for 70s kung fu movies, you know? The dudes selling the attack of the giant rubber plant tentacles look like they are killing themselves. They are being thrown around the room. It's actually really amazing. They're also, like, flying around the room. Like, there's yeah. a lot of wire stuff going on. Well, there, there's there's very clearly a thing where, like, the tentacles will latch onto a dude, and then whoever is on the other end of the tentacle are like yanking as hard as they can and dudes are jumping into like computers and, and consoles and all kinds of stuff into all the science stuff. Yeah. It's really cool. Um, it's also around this time that we see the first, look at uh, dragon mom's headquarters, which is amazing. I want to live there. Yeah. It's let's talk about the various elements of dragon mom's headquarters. So inside or outside? Inside. Okay. There is a giant monster skull that forms one wall. Yes. But it's, like, weirdly tilted so that, like, the mouth is a doorway, but also one of the eyes is a doorway, and it looks really cool. Uh, uh, there's Princess, Princess Dragon Mom has a throne. Behind it, her throne is a big red and white spiral. That yeah, is a looks, wall. It's amazing. She has, like, a, a giant golden computer. On either side of the skull entryway, there's, like, a bubbling acid pool. There's a dragon-shaped brainwashing cannon. Correct. It's pretty, it like, it's pretty amazing. It's a great-looking set. In fact, virtually every set in this movie is great-looking. Yeah, and there's a lot of, like, there's a definitely, like, a lot of Kamen Rider uh, 71 in that set design. It's very much a... Uh, evil villain headquarters from Common Rider, but like thrown in with like weird, like it's just weird. Uh, but it's it's really great, and uh, everything 
And we'll get this on the outside, too. Like, do you want to talk about the outside now? Well, they don't actually get to the outside until later, so we okay. can talk about that later. But, like, nothing really looks like it was placed anywhere. Like, the skull being kind of, a, like, off-kilter in the wall is really cool, because it just looks like they built the room around that skull. Like, rather than it being, you know, a, a set that was constructed. It's it's kind of the opposite of a James Bond movie, where the villain lairs always look so neatly constructed, yeah. Like it, it is the opposite of you only live twice. <laughs> uh, but it's really, really cool. So the plant monster, as I said, almost interrupts the creation of Inframan. Well, there's this really genuinely kind of bad sequence where uh, the plant monster knocks out the power. And uh, Professor Chang goes, if the power is not back in exactly one minute, uh, Reimer will die. And then he pulls out his stopwatch and proceeds to look at it. While a dude tries to hit the, the giant red repair lever. Yeah, and he hits the repair lever. Everything is restored. Inframan is created. And then Inframan goes outside. He beats up the giant vines that are attacking the headquarters. They turn into the regular costume version of Plant Monster. And then he just beats the living shit out of Plant Monster. I believe he, like, shoots him with one of, like... The fight with Plant Monster is where you see all of Inframan's powers for the first time. Yes. And they're not really described. They're just shown to us. And and also, again, for it being dudes in these super bulky uh, monster suits, in uh, this super bulky Inframan costume, uh, the fight looks incredible. Yeah, it's really nicely done. And you know that those guys couldn't see anything. This fight in particular, like the fights, the fights aren't as good as you want them to be for the whole movie. But this one in particular is kind of shockingly good for a uh, dude who's wearing, you know, what's got to be forty pounds of rubber. Wikipedia actually has a list of Inframan's various powers, so I will just read those off. Erupting bullets; these are the missiles stored below Inframan's ribs. He can throw them like darts. Solar and they create, armor. Uh, sparklers. They create yes. little fireworks. That's right. Solar armor. This stream of light that Inframan shoots from his wrist when crossing them together, much like Ultraman's Spatium Light Ray. Uh, kind of exactly like Ultraman's Light Ray. Yeah. Guided kick. Inframan's kick attack. These, these uh, use rockets in his boots. Much like the common rider, rider kick. Correct. Capacity transmission. Inframan activates his backup power source in case of lack of solar power. Now, this is something that got messed up in the dub. Apparently, Inframan is actually solar powered. In the dub, for some reason, they decided to make him powered by a nuclear reactor. A miniature nuclear reactor. That would be okay, except for later in the movie... Part of Princess Dragon Mom's plan is to block out the sun so he doesn't have his power anymore. So if you're watching this and you heard about the nuclear reactor, you'd be like, okay, who cares? Yeah, which – and also it has no effect because there's not even a scene where he goes, yes, but my capacity transmitter will uh, keep me powered up even though there's no sunlight. Like nobody just says anything. Nobody acknowledges it. It just doesn't work. My my guess has to be that the capacity transmitter comes up in the original Chinese version. 
I and would so, guess so. And somehow it got dumped in the dub. Well, there's that weird scene where, like, I mean, when the clouds roll in, he kind of looks up at them, and it would be the perfect time for him to be saying, oh, uh, my solar power is gone, but my capacity transmitter will will keep me going, and just no, nobody says anything. Yeah. Uh, the flashing thunder fists are his shiny black and metallic gloves that can destroy anything. Uh, a scientist says to him, these can des- they are capable of destroying everything, and then proceeds to show him that by having them demonstrate uh, their power on nuclear diamonds. Yes. The final two attacks are the deadly light blades and the thunder and lightning aura. So, the way that the way that Inframan uh, defeats the plant monster, I believe, is with the erupting. Or no, he uses the erupting bullets on it. But I believe it is the uh, the solar armor, the light ray that finally blows him up. Yeah, I think so. He also like kicks the shit out of his face. Yes. But I don't know if that's that's his uh, his rocket kick or not. It might just be that dude literally just doing a jump kick. Now, awesome. one thing one thing we didn't mention is that when the plant monster first shows up at science headquarters. He is with Mutant Drill, <clears throat> who is kind of uh, like Princess Dragon Mom's number one monster, it seems. Like, Mutant Drill does almost everything. Mutant Drill and Plant Monster run into uh, the character of Zhu Ming. Zhu Ming is what he's called in the Chinese version. I actually I forgot his Tou name. Ming. Yes, Tou Ming is what he's called in the dub he gets kidnapped by mutant drill and this is the scene where we actually I get to see inside princess dragon mom's headquarters because this is where all the other monsters are introduced fire dragon the long hair monster spider monster and the iron armor monsters and she demon is tasked with brainwashing To Ming and then sending him back to science headquarters in an attempt to get the blueprints for Inframan. Well, I guess this is also where we first see uh, She-Demon, who spends the rest of the movie basically looking like a, uh, a bored barista yeah, in one of, weird clothes. One of She-Demon's first lines is about how completely loyal she is to Princess Dragon Mom. But she never demonstrates that. <laughs> well, she... Th- but there's also no thing where, like, she betrays Princess Dragon Mom. It is just a, a statement of fact. She operates the brainwashing machine. And then, literally, every other time you see her, she's just kind of leaning, like, you know, <laughs> looking bored by everything that's going on around her. Yeah, she just seems like... she gets killed. She seems like she's there for a paycheck. That is She-Demon's ho- whole deal. Which is kind of amazing. It's like kind of my favorite thing about the uh, the her appearance. And we'll get to what actually happens to She Demon very soon. It oh, is it's amazing. It is the most shocking part of the movie. <laughs> it is bonkers. So uh, To Ming is brainwashed uh, and returns to science headquarters, where he's like, "They're like, hey, To Ming, what happened?" And he goes, "There weren't any monsters." Yeah, so. uh, 
I, I'm fine, and I didn't see any monsters, is what he says. Uh, so he is obviously going to betray everyone, but while that happens, uh, uh, Inframan, uh, Reimer, goes into Professor Chang's office, and Professor Chang's like, you know what you really need? You need some Thunderball fists. Uh, he actually says, I wrote this, da- this exchange down because I loved it. Uh, he says, for success, it's essential that you have Thunderball fists. I can have such a thing? Yes. Thunderball fists. <laughs> <laughs> like, everybody's really stoked about these hands. Uh, meanwhile, Toming is uh, sent in to sort of steal the plans for uh, Inframan so that Princess uh, Dragon Mom can find a weakness. None of this really matters to the plot at all. Like, you think it's going to happen? It doesn't. No. But he goes into a secret room beats up a guard and takes spy photos of the Inframan plans, basically, and returns those back to Princess Dragon Mom. What Princess Dragon Mom gets from these plans is that there's something, there's a weakness in Inframan's hands. That's what she discovers. But there's already this plan on Professor Chang's side to make his hands stronger. Yeah, to give him new hands. So none of it matters. Yeah. In, in fact, later on in the movie, like towards the end of the movie, uh, Princess Dragon Mom is like, uh, she kidnaps Professor Chang, and, and she goes, yeah, I already know about all of Inframan's weaknesses. And Professor Chang goes, yeah, you have old plans. I fixed all that stuff. <laughs> so none of it matters. But this fight that's coming up, uh, the next fight. Kind of- the next fight is with Spider Monster. Yes. Oh my god. Because Tomang leads uh, Reimer into a fight with some of the skeleton ghosts, who are the sort of foot soldiers of they're Princess the, Dragon Mom. They're the putties. Yeah, they, they are Dragon the Mom. Shocker Combat Men, and they look exactly like the Shocker Combat Men, except they are wearing black motorcycle helmets that have had Viking horns glued onto the sides. It's amazing. Spider-Man shows up in this fight, along with, uh, what's the hair monster? Long-haired monster? Long-haired monster. You spider. You said Spider-Man. Spider-Monster. Right, right. Is, Spider-Man is, shows up. Spider-Monster is the main antagonist of this fight, but long-haired monster shows up for a second. And, and it's very clear that they, that at this point, that they are, are doing, you know, if it wasn't already that they're doing a Common Rider knockoff, because they do literally every fight from Kamen Rider in this sequence. Like, they go to the quarry. <laughs> they go to the quarry. They fall down the hill. Uh, they, they fight in the water a little bit. They run some footage backwards. Eventually, uh, he uses his Ultraman powers to kill Long-Haired Monster. Spider-Monster, for no reason, grows Godzilla-sized. And uh, I'll say this. The effect of Spider-Monster becoming huge is really cool. Like, yeah, it's it really like nicely a... done. So he does that. He, he tries to smash Inframan. Inframan throws his hand off, and then Inframan grows giant size. This has never been mentioned before. There's a fight scene, which is amazing, because they cut in the scenes where they are clearly not giant size <laughs> into the Force Perspective sequence. Yes. Uh, eventually, Inframan kicks the shit out of Spider-Monster, picks him up, throws him into a power plant that explodes... Uh, and then Spider-Monster shrinks back down to, like, six feet tall, 
and Inframan stomps on him like a bug, and green blood goes everywhere. It is the hardest shit I have ever seen. They are not fucking around. Yeah, it's like, oh, okay. Movie. Like I get it now. Inframan will fuck you up. It's not this kind of thing where, like, he beats you up for a while, and then you disappear. Yeah, it is... Like, from here on out, this is a movie about Inframan fucking up monsters. <laughs> it is about the horrible devastation that Inframan can accomplish. It is amazing. Uh, after this, we get a... Uh, I think we can just blow through this sequence really quick. Uh, we get a really boring part where Professor Chang's three children... There's an older daughter and then a uh, a little boy who is clearly voiced by an adult who's not even trying to sound like a kid. Who's, and, who's wearing uh, a t-shirt that says dating game on it. Which is amazing. Uh, very amazing. Uh, and a little girl. They all end up going into a cave that is being uh, attacked by the drill monster. Mutant drill. Mutant drill. Uh, excuse me. Uh, and Toe Ming. A.K.A. the driller beast. Yes, and Toe Ming. Who is there also? Right. Uh, they end up getting saved by uh, Rhymer, and then I think from there it's kind of time for the end of the movie to start. Well, because uh, to, the daughter, the older a, daughter, a couple more things though about the attack on science headquarters scene with the uh, the three kids of Doctor okay. Chang. One, the smallest girl of Doctor Chang's. Desperately wants to become infra girl, and she just repeats it and repeats it and repeats it. Nothing ever comes of it. it maybe well, yeah, it's like, trying to set up some kind of a sequel. I feel like I they're trying know. to set up a sequel because she's telling this to her her older sister, who kind of almost there's kind of a almost love interest vibe with her and and Reimer. Yeah. And she's like, yeah, do you think well, – your dad says he might make an infra-girl. Maybe I could be infra-girl. I want to be infra-girl. Uh, so I, I get the feeling that Inframan 2 would have had infra-girl in it, uh, played by Mei Mei, who is a Professor Chang's daughter. The second thing I wanted to bring up is that Mutant Drill and To Ming's plan is honestly to go into science headquarters with a huge – a bundle of dynamite and a really, really long fuse. Yeah, come on, everybody knows what a bomb looks like. It looks <laughs> like a, a bundle of red sticks and a twenty-foot wire. Uh, light the fuse. It's a super long fuse, and Inframan goes into the room where the fuse or where the bomb is, and you think he's just gonna like stomp out the fuse, but instead is he picks up the dynamite, flies into the air, says fuck your dynamite, and throws it <laughs> like a, a huge distance away from science headquarters uh, to blow up. Like, I just fall in the water and blow up, I guess. Yeah, and he gets a... Uh, uh, he jumps through a skylight. So, much like Gotham City, everything in sci- uh, science headquarters has a skylight in it. Yes. Uh, so we get a part where Professor Chang is talking to Mei Mei. His about- oldest, his oldest daughter. Right, the older daughter, about uh, how their her mother is dead. Of course, she is, uh, and then she is immediately kidnapped. Uh, Princess Dragon Mom demands that Professor Chang come alone to her headquarters, which he does, and then she just drops Toming into some lava. 
like a it done a trapdoor full of lava to yes. prove that she is serious. Let's talk a little bit about Professor Chang's trip to her, the headquarters, Princess Dragon Mom's headquarters. He and a bunch of the skeleton ghosts and mutant drill all get on a big boat and ride to Pr- Princess Dragon Mom's headquarters. There is an amazing shot of uh, of Professor Chang on this boat, and he's between, uh, like he's at the 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 helm of the boat, which is like a it's like a speed it's, it's like a boat your uncle would have. It's almost a yacht. It's almost big enough to be a yacht. It's a slightly big, larger than a speedboat. It's a big motorboat. Right, uh, and he's between two of the monsters, and I can't remember which what the other one is. Uh, it would have to be Fire Dragon, I guess. Uh, and he's just between them, and he is like looking so uncomfortable. Like he doesn't tug his collar, but he has that look on his face, and it's really funny. And the musical accompany, like the music in this movie, is generally pretty good. But the musical accompany for that boat ride, accompaniment for that boat ride, is just like. The, mo- the most cognitive dissonance kind of music, because it, it looks like it should be, it sounds like it should be in some movie about, like, fun on the beach. Yes, it's super weird. Yeah. So they get to the headquarters, and this is the first opportunity now, we really get to see the outside of the headquarters. Keep in, keep in mind, they took a boat there. Yeah. You have to have a boat to get there. To get to this mountain. <laughs> With a giant dragon head that is the entrance to the headquarters, and then just a bunch of, like, big skulls that monsters can jump in and out of. Which is amazing. Uh, there's, I love this set. I love it so much. There's a ton of giant monster skulls. And, like, yeah, monsters jump out of the, like, like the skeleton ghosts jump out of the eyes of the, of the uh giant monster skulls that are just kind of littering the landscape and that's really cool it's 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 like the best kind of live action video game thing so toming gets thrown into lava and killed and what princess dragon mom says after this is listen you got to cooperate with me dr chang or i'm going to do the same thing to your daughter in 10 seconds dr chang goes nah i'm not going to help you yeah, but, yeah, like because for once, his daughter goes, don't do it, Dad. My life's not worth it. And he goes, you are correct. <laughs> he goes, I'm not going to help you. And for man's going to beat you, he'll be here soon. I'm not going to help you. And then, like, listen, Princess Dragon Mom is kind of terrible. Because what she should instantly do is kill Professor Chang's daughter, right? Yes. But she doesn't. She's just like, okay, fine. I'll make you work for me. And she sends Dr. Chang and his daughter into another room and puts them in an ice prison. Yeah. Also, she kind of forgets she has a brainwash machine. Like Correct. It's, it's literally in the same room. Because eventually what she tells Professor Chang she wants is she wants him to build her an inframan that will obey her orders. And Professor Chang's like, nah, I'm not going to do it. And again... They're like five feet away from this brainwashing machine, and uh, their henchman who has hypnotic powers, and she's just like leaning up against the wall. Like she's just like, "I'm on my break." <laughs> Eventually, Reimer, Inframan, and the rest of the science headquarters army show up at Princess Dragon Mom's headquarters, and 
the big fight starts. No, no, Matt. Uh, what boat do they arrive on? They don't. They just come on their motorcycles. Yeah, they just drive there on their motorcycles. Uh, and this is great because Rhymer's on his motorcycle, and he's there's this great like little uh, uh, switchback path leading up to the sort of dragon skull that forms the entrance, and it's lined with all these giant skulls. And so you see Rhymer driving up this path, and and dudes are jumping out at him, and monsters come out. There's a scene where, uh, like after the skeleton ghosts have kind of jumped through the eyes, like the mouth of one of those giant skulls explodes and mutant drill comes out. It's really great. It's really awesome. Yeah, mutant drill's entrance in that fight scene is amazing. It's phenomenal. So Rhymer just starts like kung fuing the shit out of all the skeleton ghosts. Which and this is something I mentioned during an earlier scene. Like it seems like you don't need superpowers to beat these monsters. Like people get outnumbered by them, but generally, if they know kung fu, they seem to do okay. And what's weird is that Rhymer takes forever before turning into Inframan in this scene. And I mean, I guess that the you know there's got to be some kind of payoff or some kind of moment where he's like, "I'm in trouble," and then he's got to turn into Inframan. But like, it seems like he would just turn into Inframan immediately. Yeah, and that's a that's another thing that I think they lifted from Common Rider because Common Rider always has to uh, get up. Like the original Common Rider had to get up to speed to use the turbine in his belt to trigger his transformation sequence. So after the first three episodes, there's always like a, a plot where it's like, oh, okay, maybe if we put him in a little room, he won't be able to get up to speed. Maybe if we take his motorcycle away. But they that is explained in Common Rider. Nobody ever addresses it in Inframan. It's just he doesn't turn into Inframan until he wants to. Right. Uh, in, which in is this when case, he's fighting two monsters. In this case, it's when Mutant Drill and Fire Dragon... Double, start like double teaming him, and right. uh, he has to turn into Inframan. He uh, beat starts beating the shit out of Fire Dragon like immediately. Oh, and, he he kills Fire Dragon. <laughs> well, okay, so Fire Dragon like gets gets like knocked aside, and he's Fire Dragon clearly is like, oh shit, I can't fight this guy. So he turns invisible and hides up against a wall. While he's invisible. But Inframan turns on like his x-ray vision so he can see Fire Dragon. And then he just burns Fire Dragon to death. Yeah, he stomps him with his rocket boots. And then just like Fire Dragon, like they just set the costume on fire. How is Mutant Drill defeated? I forget how Mutant Drill is defeated. I think he just beats Mutant Drill to death. I swear to God. I think he just beats him until he's dead. That's quite possible. So, Rhymer gets inside the headquarters, and I don't know if the version we watched was missing a scene, or this is just how fast it all happens, but as soon as he gets in the door, Princess Dragon Mom gets him in, like, an electronic net and has him captured. Yeah, it feels like there's a missing scene. It kind of seems like there is, but she captures him, like, instantaneously, and she's like, you know what, Inframan? I'm done with you. And she drops him into the lava. Just like we saw uh, Tao Ming. Tao Ming. But, of course, Inframan can fly. So he's down there in the lava, like, getting ready to fly out. While Professor Chang and his daughter are being put in their ice prison. 
Inframan comes flying out of the lava pit and again starts just wrecking the shit out of everybody in the headquarters. And this is the part where he's just like, he has taken the gloves off for real. Like, he is blowing up skeleton ghosts. They are exploding into pieces. <laughs> yeah, the, he he beats the shit out of these guys. And, it, and it's great. Like I said, it's, it is exactly what you want because it feels like a tokusatsu fight. But it also feels like the climax of a kung fu movie uh, done by kung fu movie guys. Because there's, you know, there's monsters, but there's also like a dozen dudes in motorcycle helmets trying to stab him with spears at the same time. Yeah, and all their spears explode. Yeah. Which which seems like a bad plan on their part because they constantly get turned around on them. It, it does seem like a bad plan on their part, and it 100% is. Yeah. Also, they get thrown into the exploding acid, a bunch of them. And then, Lord have mercy, poor, poor She-Demon. <laughs> She-Demon actually does really good in the fight. She-Demon, like, gut-stabs him a couple times with a knife. Yeah, but then he cuts her hands off and throws her into lava where she is killed. <laughs> yeah, we were still kind of reeling from the deaths of Mutant Drill and Fire Dragon, who just got stomped and set on fire. He shoots out, like, because she's shooting out, uh, her, her eyes on her hands shoot out lasers. And he starts shooting out lasers out of his hands with his new thunderball fists. They're the and, deadly light blades. Yeah, and then he shoots out the blades, and her hands, like, he cuts off her hands, and there's blood. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, ah! <laughs> like, she looks at her hand stumps with blood shooting out. It's, it's like the, uh, the, 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 the Thanksgiving play in the Addams Family. Yeah. Or the, uh, the school play in the Adams Family. And then he throws her into a giant lava pit. Yeah, it's, it's astonishing. Inframan then moves on to the next room where the iron armor monsters are, which they have their hands are on springs and their heads are on springs. Like, they're very, yeah. Like, how are there not action figures of this movie? Because everybody is super toyetic. So he fights them for a little bit, and what's apparent about this next room, which is all icy, is that physics just do not work here. Yes. Because there's a part where Inframan tosses one of the iron armor monsters up on its head, and it bounces three times oh, he doesn't, way he doesn't up toss in the it. air. He kicks it in the, in the dick. Like he gives <laughs> yeah. it a field goal kick, and it flies over his head behind him like in an arc, and then bounces completely upright on its head three times like a Bugs Bunny cartoon, which, again, amazing. And then he goes on to fight more skeleton ghosts, and they are just flying up in the air. They're floating in the sky. <laughs> it's crazy. And the only thing that ends up stopping Inframan is uh, this beam that Princess Dragon Mom has to freeze him. I just... I just I am imagining Roger Ebert watching this in in the theater with his notebook and being like, three and a half stars. <laughs> so they freeze Inframan, and the, the, the effect of him looking frozen, I said, looked like they just dumped a bunch of flour on him. Yeah, the worst thing about it is that everything is, is covered in flour, except you can, like, you can very clearly see the eye holes in the costume. Yeah. Uh, which are not covered at all. So... 
uh, Princess Dragon Mom's like, you know what? I'm sick and tired of this Inframan. Go put him in uh, the bottomless pit, and I'm going to get him out when I need him, but not before that. Bef- until then, he's going to stay frozen. Now, so just- at this point, I kind of wondered why she didn't just kill him. But also at this point, literally every other monster she has has been beaten to death. Uh, we, we didn't talk about how he finally disposes of the iron armor monsters, which is he tears their heads off and throws them at their balls. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. And then they, they disappear. Yeah. Amazing. But like, she's like, I've had it with fucking Inframan, but I need him. Like, I want him on my team. And Dr. Chang's not going to make me one. So I'm going to have to use this Inframan. That's basically her logic. And as he's being carried away, a little light on his forehead starts blinking. And he remembers a conversation with Dr. Chang that we as an audience have never seen. Yeah, a conversation that has never happened. That that starts with, hey, just in case you ever get frozen. In liquid water. If you ever get frozen with liquid water. Right, which as we all know, is what freezes you. Shoot off your missiles, five of them, and they will uh, melt the ice. Yeah, five of them will do it. Just make, make sure you got five. Five will do it. So, Inframan, who can now suddenly move again, shoots off five missiles. He melts off all the ice. And then there's a, a big fight between him and Princess Dragon Mom in her new dragon form. Okay, this is where the movie gets amazing. This is where it goes from two and a half stars to three. <laughs> because... And again, I I completely understand why Ebert said there is not a month that I have not thought about this movie. Because Inframan starts activating his uh red blades. What what are they what are they called? The uh They're the, the, the deadly light blades. Yeah. And just straight cuts off Princess Demon Mom's head. Then Princess Demon Mom's head grows back. This happens five times in a row. <laughs> He just keeps cutting off her head. It keeps growing back. Keeps cutting it off. And eventually, she's just standing there with five severed heads on the ground. Yeah. And then how does he ultimately beat her? Uh, He just kicks her. He just kicks the shit out of her. Yeah. (laughs) He cuts her head off five times. That doesn't work. So he kicks the shit out of her. Yeah. And that it, 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 and then everybody gets on the boat. The end. Yep. Uh, I was really hoping for a post-credit sequence where uh, Inframan was offered a spot on the Justice League because this is literally better than any movie about Superman. All right, let's talk about the high points of Inframan. The, honestly, the fighting is really great. The fight um, choreography is probably the best thing about the movie. It takes a little bit of a dip um, in the middle sequence. Uh, the The fight against the uh, long hair monster and spider monster are, are not great uh, until the like what happens at the end of it is great, but like the beginning of it is eh, you know, yeah. it's whatever. But aside from that, I think the fight choreography is mostly very, very good. Um, I think that's very good. I think the sets are fantastic. Uh, They're beautifully designed and just really fun. The music is generally very good. 
and the special effects are generally very good. Um, like, yeah, kind of surprisingly so. Like the, the like that shot we mentioned of the road falling apart is kind of astonishing, and uh, the scene where the uh, spider monster grows big is like I was shocked by how good that looked. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of you know, uh, oh these these darts that uh, Inframan is throwing are sparklers. But th- there is some really good special effects stuff, and there's a lot of good – like, the fight choreography is amazing. And the sets uh, – Science Headquarters looks pretty cool. Uh, Princess Demon Mom's uh, – the interior of her headquarters looks really cool. But that exterior is a uh, fantastic set uh, for a really great set piece. Uh, I remember how he kills uh, uh, Drill Monster. Okay. He uh, – Drives like he basically gasses up his motorcycle, drops oh. it on the ground, and the motorcycle drives full speed into the de- drill monster costume. He's it's that's not how he kills it. I'm pretty sure mutant mutant drill comes back after that, but he does, does he? run it over with a motorcycle. Oh, and it's a great shot too because it is yeah. like a motorcycle going full speed into an empty rubber costume. Yeah, I think another high point of this movie is just how hard it goes. Like <laughs> it does. How Inframan just does not fuck around. And it's like, you know, I think we're conditioned by tokusatsu being, a lot of it being for kids. Yeah, like, I mean, specifically with uh, the American Power Rangers, which is, like, as super nonviolent as you can get. So, like, you know, we're used to monsters being dispatched by a light beam coming out of a sword, and then the monster kind of exploding, right? In this, the monster, like one of the monsters, gets smushed under Inframan's foot, and a ton of blood comes out. Yeah, like this gross green blood slime. <laughs> uh, it's it's like, and again, I know they made this movie entirely because of how successful Kamen Rider had been in Hong Kong, but it's like they had no concept of what that was supposed to be. But they they were like, hey, you know, we made you know we make kung fu movies. We we know more or less, right? We we got it. We got it. I'll do one more high point. Okay, costumes. Um, the the silver jumpsuits at science headquarters are great. Some of the monster costumes look really good. Um, I think some of the costumes are definitely a high point. All right, low points costumes as impressive as the monsters are like to see them move around in those costumes the costumes aren't that great like everything looks kind of super fakey they, except for the women who are in like mini dresses and go-go boots yeah the the costumes look cheap even even like uh princess dragon mom and she demon like their hands like there's a weird thing among princess dragon mom's henchmen where they all have weird hands like weird yeah, fucked up hands, um, and their like hand prosthetics look pretty shitty. Um, and and maybe the worst thing is that Inframan's costume, not that great. It's not. But that said, it it is kind of like if you look at it next to Common Rider, like the original Common Rider suit. Common Rider, I think, looks better, but. It is of the same ilk, I think. This, you know, it's just not a great costume. Yeah, it's got a th- weird, like you know, chest and shoulder piece. Well, what what was really weird to me about Inframan's costume, and what really became apparent about it, 
when he got frozen was that he he looks sad. Like the the shape of the mat. Like first of all, the helmet is too big. Second, like the expression on the helmet is just kind of like sad and mopey looking. Yeah, and it doesn't really look that good. Yeah, I think the the uh, skeleton ghosts look way better than Inframan does, which is kind of a shame. Yeah, I I, I would tend to agree. And again, uh, Princess Dragon Mom is literally wearing like a sequin go-go dress and like a belt, and yeah. then like a wig. Like, it's, like they they built these monster costumes, and they're just like, "Hey, just bring whatever you have at home. Just bring whatever's in your uh, bring whatever you have in your closet." Another low point I would say is the pacing of the movie because yeah, there are certain we'll things that happen. There are certain things that happen way too fast, and there are certain things that take way too long. It's weird how much this movie drags because th- that first half hour has no like like it, like it feels like it's five minutes long. It goes really quick, uh, but then when they're building uh, Inframan, it takes forever. And then when the sequence with the uh, kids in the cave happens, it takes forever. Like it starts to feel. Uh, like this was a movie. It was made by a movie studio, and it was released as a movie. But it ends up really feeling like they tried to ape the episode structure of uh, like a common writer or a tokusatsu show, and, and made these like three distinct episodes that they felt the need to pad out. Yeah, it it, it does have a kind of an episodic feel to it. I mean, we just watched that He Man uh, movie, and. It definitely felt like it was broken up into episodes. And this movie, in a weird way, sort of has that feeling, too. Because we get, like, three separate plots from Princess Dragon Mom, right? Right. first she was going to take over the world. Correct? Then she was going to blow up science headquarters after she found out the secrets of Inframan. And then she wanted her own Inframan. Like, there's no consistent motivation for her. She's just generally evil, I would say. Yes. <laughs> She's just kind of like, oh, right, I'm evil. I'm going to go do some evil things. Like, if if all the monsters weren't brutally killed by the end of this movie, I would have thought of it as a, you know, a stealth pilot for a TV show. Yeah, which would have been weird, I think, coming from Shaw Brothers. Yeah. So instead, all the monsters get brutally killed. Yeah, they get stomped to shit, which is amazing. Final thoughts about the Inframan or the Super Inframan. This is one of the ones that was picked by our uh, Kickstarter backers who backed us at the tier uh, that allowed them to determine what movies we would watch. And so I've been really nervous about these. Uh, I know that people enjoy it when we watch a really terrible movie and end up hating it. Last episode being a pretty great example of that with Secret of the Sword. But I again, I would recommend this to people. Uh, I, you know, you don't have to pay attention to it and take notes like we did, but I would say like, if you want to put something on uh, with your friends and kind of goof on a movie, it is highly enjoyable. Uh, if only for how shockingly violent it is. I, I mean, I may eat my words on this, but I don't think, I can't think of anything that's been better. 
I, I mean, there are this movies is that my... we have watched because we wanted to watch them, like Miami Connection. Right, but I think this is the most, like, out-and-out, like, the best movie we have watched for Movie Fighters. Maybe not best movie, certainly most enjoyable. I mean, well, Miami Connection is enjoyable, but not a good movie, right? Right, right. I don't know that we've watched a better movie that is good on purpose. Um, Cutie Honey, probably. Uh, I'd, I'd say this was better than Cutie Honey. Wow, that's that's shocking. Maybe the uh, the Lupin live action movie. It's comparable. I would say it's comparable, but I would I, I would rather watch this. Yeah, I mean, I I feel like in a weird way, I think this movie has some similarities to that Lupin live action movie. I think it, has, it does too. I, it has I some of the same. It has some of the same strengths and some of the same weaknesses. I would say it is up there with your Hansel and Gretel's. Yeah, Hansel and Gretel might still be the best movie we've watched, but uh, it's this is definitely up there with like you know a Santa's sleigh. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's where it ranks in our uh, in our movie listings. Super super fun uh, and and bananas. Like I can completely see the appeal. Yeah, I, if you have not watched Super Inframan, I think we would both say, watch it. Spend 84 minutes watching this crazy Hong Kong tokusatsu movie. It is on Daily Motion right now, so you can go watch it. Um, Make sure you install Adblock. That's right. That's been this episode of Movie Fighters. If you would like to send us a suggestion for a movie or otherwise email us, please email us at moviefighterscast at gmail.com. That's also where you can go if you would like to sponsor the show. Also, be sure to check out our website, which is where you can read show notes, download the show, stream the show, and all that good stuff. You can do that at moviefighterscast.com. Thank you to Michael Kill for making our theme music. Our theme music is amazing. We appreciate him, and we appreciate that theme music. We also appreciate all of you for listening. We will be back in two short weeks. Actually, it may be three weeks. We'll let you know. But uh, we will be back soon with another movie, another suggestion, another requirement from a donor. (laughs) But hey, this one turned out pretty good. So you never know how they're going to wind up. Either way... We will see you guys very soon. Come back next time. This has been a Kleitus Media Production. Hi, welcome to this Subway ad for the new Chibata collection. How do you want it? Ooh, I'll take the slam poetry. Sure. Italian ciabatta with fresh mozzarella. When hunger reigns, you're my flavor umbrella. Tasty garlic steak and provolone. With you, my taste buds are never alone. Savory chicken pesto. You have my affection. For you complete the ciabatta collection. Thank you. Get them before they're gone at Subway. Limited time only at participating restaurants. Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn 
Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn. Compare it to your neighbor's lawn. And complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. Which, of course, will go right into the lawn. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations.